0: All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome uh, to the program. Let's get the blood pumping a little bit there. It is June 14th, and here in the United States, it is Flag Day. On this day in 1777... The United States adopted the stars and bars as our official flag. So, 246 years, this flag has stood for a lot of things. And despite the flaws, and with all due respect to our listeners and everywhere else around the world, the United States is still the greatest country on earth. All right. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me, where yesterday we posted a review of the new documentary Stan Lee, so go check that out, showing at Tribeca Film Festival right now. Yes. We have people at the Tribeca Film Festival with some special. All right, <coughs> we are broadcasting live to YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, and Twitch. Good to have all of you with us here, and uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, we're glad to have you there as well. Lots of player platforms where you can find this program, and of course, we've got the Discord server and the social media. The email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. Mrs. Bosses played Johnny Cash. She knows we can't do that. You know we can't do that. We don't have the license for that. Although, you know, speaking of licenses, <sighs> Adrev is added again, making f- I won't I won't go so far as to say they're fraudulent, but Adrev is making claims on our bumper music again. On behalf of a third party. (coughs) And it gets really annoying. I've already reported them to the Better Business Bureau of Silicon Valley once. I may have to do it again. Uh, And it could be because the music that I used yesterday is currently not available at Storyblocks, but my license is supposed to cover it regardless. So, yeah, we've it's just one of those things, folks. Hassle, hassle, hassle. Anyway, okay, so uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about some Disney stuff. But I want to get into this one thing first because this crossed the transom yesterday. And it's technically not quite in our wheelhouse, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of, of, of time on it. But I I do have a question about this. I wanted to get your perspective on this. And those of you who are watching Memorex Mode, you feel free to leave a comment. And uh, and if you're here with us live, you know, you can always share your thoughts. But Sony has got a new project coming out. It's an R-rated animated feature. And they just announced voice cast on this. Idris Elba is in it. Catherine Han is in it. So there's a Marvel connection-ish to this. (coughs) The movie's called Fixed. And it is their first, Sony's first R-rated animated feature. Now, Warner Brothers has been doing a few of these direct-to-video with the Justice League stuff. You know, War World coming out is going to be rated R. There's been a few others. But this is Sony's first animated feature that's going to be rated R. And it's Gendi Tartakovsky you know Tartakovsky from his Clone Wars and Samurai Jack and Primal Hotel Transylvania. The story, this was announced at the Annecy Animation Film Festival last week. The story is about a dog named Bull who is about to get snipped. And so his friends take him out for a night on the town to enjoy what he's about to lose. Now, my question on this, folks, who's the audience for this? Cause I'm not the audience for this. I asked I asked I, I sent this to Culture Casino and I asked him, I said, Do you do you have you seen this? Who's the audience for this? He says, Tumblr. <laughs> He's not wrong. But but what is this? I don't know. Anyway. I, for one, am glad that it's not a science fiction picture. I'll say that. I mean, look, Tartakovsky is an an excellent animator. It could very well be that it's going to turn out to be one of the greatest animated films in all of Hollywood history, but I don't think so. Anyway, alright, so let's talk Disney. Deadline. Headline. Thunderbolts. Blade. Avengers. King Dynasty. Secret Wars. Among Disney release dates changes due to WGA strike. Now this is something that we've been talking about Talked about it over on Midnight's Edge. We talked about it on you know Culture Casinos talked about it. Script Doctor, uh, you know Cameron Cameron Pasha has talked about it here. Paul Chato was here talking about it. We there has been this discussion uh, in a, in various places, in various different channels. A lot of different people talking about the possibility that the writers' strike was going to create. An imbalance in the force, shall we say. Now, coming out of Pandemic, there was this block of time where we didn't have very much in the way of movies that were going into the theaters, and the theaters were hurting. And everybody pivoted to streaming because everybody's at home because we were all under house arrest. And it took a while for movies to get back in the theaters. And this year could be doing okay. I was talking to Paul DeGarabini about it earlier this week. He says, you know, we've got something around 20-plus movies that have yet to be released in theaters this year. They're on the schedule. They're coming coming soon. So throughout the rest of the year. And he's hoping, uh, he's anticipating maybe a $4 billion year for the movies. Which would be good for the industry. However, the writers' strike and the pending uh, screen actors' guild strike—if that happens—and it looks like the directors' guild—I don't know what's going on with the directors' guild. The the they had a deal. Now the directors' guild membership has to vote to pass the deal, and I don't I don't know that they're going to do that. I've been seeing some noise from. Especially the writer-director hyphenates who are basically saying this is not, this is not a good enough deal. And who knows what's going to happen there. But if the, if the writer strike continues for a while, you'll have a number of projects that will just die, collapse, force majeure. And the studios will just shut them down because, hey, we don't have these scripts. We can't do this project anymore. We're past our window. And when Cameron was on here with Paul Tateau, they were both talking, and Cameron's theory is that maybe the studios could deliberately hold out long enough for some of that to happen. Maybe. You know, that would be another way that they could write off some of this stuff that they know is not going to bring in an audience because of the politics of the thing or the politics of the people making the thing. But now we have our first real, solid, big, tangible, direct result. Because we've seen a lot of these different productions getting shut down. And there have been delays. And you get these piecemeal, you know, Daredevil stopped shooting over the weekend. And this one stopped shooting. And this one stopped shooting. This article here is a whole bag full of, of cats. With regard to uh, fallout from the writer's guide. Uh, Writer's strike, not the writer's guide. That's a different thing. There is a writer's guide. So from the article by Anthony D'Alessandro, June 13th. It feels like COVID all over again, but it's not. Disney has just made a slew of release date changes, many due to the impact of the WGA strike and screenplays not being ready and productions paused. Uh, Now, just FYI, the reason I am looking the other way today is because I had a monitor out. So, we already know that Thunderbolts and Blade are waiting the strikeout before rolling cameras because they don't have scripts. Scripts aren't fully ready in regard to the new Avengers movies, Avengers Kang Dynasty goes from May 2nd, 2025 to May 1st, 2026. They've pushed Avengers back an entire year. And I will say this. I think that it's not just the lack of the script that has them pushing that back as far as it is. Because you still have the Jonathan Majors thing hanging over them. Because that has yet to be resolved. And now we have Tina Huerta, who played Namor in Black Panther, to Forever, being accused of sexual assault and being a sexual predator. Now, he denies everything. But apparently there's this musician who has gone on social media, she did a podcast and and the accusations are out there. Now he does acknowledge that he dated her for a while, there was a relationship and everything was consensual and everything was fine. He says all of this stuff, after we broke up her behavior decidedly changed, demonstrably changed and it turns out she's a feminist activist. So how much that has to do with it is anybody's guess because Apparently, a while back, I guess this was reported back in February, she was attacked, like, like physically assaulted, and somebody threw acid on her, disfigured her, and, and it appears from these reports, acid attacks are a thing, a very prominent thing, a very common thing in South America and Latin America. And so now there's a bill in Mexico to try to elevate acid attacks in terms of what kind of crime it is so it can be punished with more harsher consequences. And she's a big activist lobbying for that and all that. So she's a political animal as well as a musician, performer, and whatnot. So how much of her accusation against Namor has anything to do with all of that? Anybody's guess. But the timing of this, you know, you've got the Jonathan Majors thing. You have now Tena Cuerta and Rider Strike and Hulu is sitting around at the the end of the year. And what's next? Elemental is going to bomb. Indiana Jones is probably going to bomb. Disney's not having a good year. They're just not. Back to the article here. Uh, we told you the 2023 largely was safe in regards to staying intact. Knocked on wood, but the ramifications of the writer strike. And productions paused will be felt throughout 2024 and beyond. Commence the great release date shuffle by the motion picture studios. Now, di- this article is about Disney, but you can be absolutely sure that Warner Brothers and Paramount and Universal, all of them are going to end up having to do it. So, this is not just Disney screwing up. This is the industry has ground to a halt, and we're going to be back in the same position we were in in 2021. And into 2022 when there wasn't anything to see. There wasn't anything to watch. They're probably going to bring in uh, material from other countries, maybe. But this affects both film and television. Also, the other delay here with the MCU titles is that Disney wants to make sure they're better. (coughs) Better than what they've been doing from script to stage to VFX. In the wake of fan pans and lower post-pandemic box office results for such films as Eternals, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and Ant-Man of the Lost Quantumania. Make your scripts, make your stories better. First major change is that the untitled Deadpool movie will fire off next summer, May 3rd, while Captain America Brave New World, new title, gets pushed to July 26, twenty twenty four. Thunderbolts will stay in twenty twenty four. Oh I guess I should put the article up so you can see it. Thunderbolt stays in twenty twenty four, moving off July 26 to December twentieth. So they've moved Thunderbolts back six months. And there's speculation based on that based on that staged photo of Harrison Ford and, and Anthony Mackey. Some eagle eyed people have seen that it appears Harrison Ford's pants are somewhat ripped and disheveled and in a state of disarray, which has caused all sorts of speculation that he's actually going to do Red Hulk in this one. And there's an article somewhere out there saying that he had, he had gotten to a point where he wanted to do something that he's never done before. And motion capture for Red Hulk would probably fit in that category. I, I don't look for it to happen and especially given the fact that everything's been pushed back i mean he's what 81 years old maybe he does the voice but i i don't know <clears throat> blade goes from september 6 2024 to february 14th 2025 uh that's valentine's day near presidents day Uh, has been a sweet spot for MCU. Fantastic Four shifts deeper into 2025 from February 14th to May 2nd. Avatar 3, so it's not just the Marvel stuff, Avatar 3 officially is delayed a year from December 20th, 2024, to December 19th, 2025, which thus pushes other sequels from James Cavern as Avatar 4 moves from December 2026 to December 2029... And Avatar 5 goes from 2028 to 2031. Those films are never going to get mid- finished. Which will be Wh- first? What? Which will be done first? Those or George R.R. Martin? R. 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 Right. <sighs> While these scripts already are locked... The shift of movies due to the writer's guild strike is pushing the Avatar sequels around. Producer John Landau said the following about the movie. He says, Each Avatar film is an exciting but epic undertaking that takes time to bring to the quality level we as filmmakers strive for and audiences come to expect. The team is hard at work and can't wait to bring audiences back to Pandora in December 2025. So everybody's putting a spin on it. (coughs) The Star Wars movies... <clears throat> the Star Wars movies, which still are being baked, <coughs> I wonder how much smoke there got in that bakery. What kind of baked? I bet they're baked. Are getting kicked down the road like cans. One of them goes from December nineteenth, twenty twenty-five, to May twenty-second, twenty twenty-six. Well, okay. There it is. That was the one that was originally going to be for Rogue Squadron. And then Rogue Squadron got put on the back burner. over like, well, what are they, what are they going to put in that spot? What are they going to put in that time slot? What else do they have? And we all know they don't have anything. And saved by the bell, they don't have to worry about it now. That will go May twenty second, 2026. Another untitled gets added on December eighteenth, twenty twenty six. So, so two Star Wars movies in twenty twenty six. I don't believe it for a second. One of them might be Dave Filoni's Ahsoka verse movie. But if any of them happens, that one's got the best shot. Did they not? Did they not learn anything with trying to release two Star Wars movies in a a year before, I mean, no. look what happened with Solo and Last Jedi. It's like, guys, so well, split it okay. up a little bit more. Hang, uh, let, me, let me, let me, let me, let me say this one thing with regards to Solo and the Last Jedi. If the Last Jedi had been good. If The Last Jedi had been this phenomenal blockbuster, oh my goodness, stars and whiskers! I can't believe how excellent it is, then Solo would have done perfectly fine. It would have sailed to a billion like everything else. But why put... It still should have been pushed. I mean, regardless of how... Well, yeah, it should have been six months later. But... Just saying. But if The Last Jedi had been a hit... Solo would have been perfectly fine. Solo died because The Last Jedi killed the franchise. And fans said, we have had enough of this. <coughs> so, I just say it. Uh, Chris says, so we're going to get a resurrected Tiger King. Uh, I I don't know about that. Uh, Matt Tween says these delays will create another crowded weekly release schedule in 2025. Box office profits will continue to suffer as fewer people do repeat theater viewings to choose to wait for streaming. Yep. Uh, I, it is. It it will. There will definitely be an impact in the box office. Not necessarily because everything's going to be crowded. I mean that will be that will be a factor. And you'll have, you'll have, you know, paralysis of choice. You, well, what are we going to go see? But stop and consider that that back in the 80s, you had all sorts of movies that were out at the same time that were phenomenal films. I mean, Ghostbusters and Star Trek and, and, and Tron and, and I mean, Tron wasn't a hit, but Tron was a great movie. Um, so, Indiana Jones, all, all of this stuff was out there, and some of them overlapped back then. I don't, I don't think that—it's it, uh, too soon to tell. It depends on how crowded it gets, because some of this stuff, like, like it's being pushed back—I mean, 2031? That's a really long time. To even start thinking about anything like this. And I think that as we go through... Once the strikes are resolved... <clears throat> then I imagine there will be a few pieces that get fast-tracked. <clears throat> if if it were me... If, I, if it were me running the studio... I would sit there and say, okay strikes over everybody's got their deal all of the stuff you know we're we're back to square we're all good we're going to get along now what do we have on our slate that we can knock out first fastest quickest least amount of headache with VA, with visual effects what have we got and the smart studio is going is going to go on what can we get out fastest? I'm not saying that they're going to do that. They probably won't. But that's what I would do. Uh, because all of this stuff... And that's that's where Marvel is going to get messed up. Because if they were to do that, they would have to break this whole everything's connected, shared universe, all one big continuity thing where one movie leads to the next movie leads to the next movie. Which wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, you could just just tell a Captain America story. Just tell a Black Widow story. Just tell uh, 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 an Avengers story. They don't all have to be connected and flow into each other. Now, if the studios were smart, and they're not, they would look at what's our cheapest, fastest option. And I don't mean cheap, like skimp on the effects, like it looks like the Flash did. I Look, the effects in The Flash are half-baked. They are not good. We'll talk about it on Saturday because we're going to have the H2O podcast on Saturday. And we're going to review The Flash. But the visual effects in The Flash, as much money as they have spent on this movie... The visual effects on the flash are not very good. At all. All right, back to the article. The new live-action Moana movie with Dwayne Johnson has staked out the summer date, July 2025, about a week earlier from its previous July 2nd date. See, that one... That one is one of those ones like I'm talking about. Moana is probably not going to cost as much... With a visual effects budget or anything like that. We can get that one out pretty quick. Just shoot it, edit it, done. Boom. The new Alien movie, which is shooting overseas, takes the Disney RSVP date of August 16th, 2024. The Rami Malek movie, The Amateur, from 20th Century Studios, uh, takes the old date of Deadpool 3. So everything starts to get shifted around here. And they've got a lot of other things that are, you know, the untitled Marvel movie, the untitled MCU movie, untitled Star Wars movie. They've staked out new dates further out 2025, 2026. So this is the beginning of the mess that is about to happen in Hollywood And it's going to be same kind of thing that we saw in the pandemic and post-pandemic when there wasn't anything to put into the theaters. And there was such a big push to get what they did have on their streaming services in order to sell subscriptions because we were all stuck at home. Circumstances are different. There's no pandemic. We're not all stuck under house arrest. We can get out. We can go do things. We can have our discretionary income that we can spend on things like movies or used bookstores or gardening supplies. We're not stuck. And what little discretionary income we have because we're in a recession and inflation and all that other stuff – People are going to be very discerning and very discriminatory and very careful with what they spend the discretionary income on. Still got to pay the bills. What have I got left over? What do I really want to do with that? And going to the movies might not be their first choice. And if there aren't any movies to go see, then they'll go do something else. And we've seen now the mounting pile of information that says that the streaming services are not making money, which is why they're having to go implement an ad-supported tier. And you have uh, YouTube... Sitting there saying, okay, well, if you've downloaded YouTube onto your smart TV for, like, YouTube TV, we're going to feed you a 30-second unskippable spot at the beginning of whatever it is that you watch. Because there has to be revenue generated somewhere in order to cover the expenses of doing all of this stuff. And ad revenues are in the toilet uh, Culture's got a video out on on this. Uh, Clownfish, uh, Neon, and Geeky have talked about it. Ad revenues down, even though, even though companies are spending on digital ads more than they're spending on other ways of marketing, the overall pot is smaller. And a lot of these niche websites like ours or Kotaku or io9 or Screen Rant, or Collider or any of those, the ad revenue is just not there anymore. Not as much. So the money is going elsewhere. And streaming services have never made money. They were a loss leader from the get-go. And Netflix Netflix made some moves and said, hey, you can't share your password with, with anybody anymore, and their subscription count is up, at least for now. Don't know how long that's going to last. But there's all sorts of different things happening here that regular, normal, everyday, Joe Q public people don't know about you all know about it because you pay attention to what we're talking about here on the youtube's the, and the rumbles and the and the and the odysseys we all all of us here in the alternate media we've been talking about this stuff and y'all have been paying attention to this stuff you you know more than the average bear So if somebody sits there and goes, I don't understand why they're doing this, you can explain it to them and say, here, let me tell you what I heard from Midnight's Edge. Here, let me tell you what I heard from Sci-Fi for Me. Here, let me tell you what I heard from uh, Latino Slant or Mexican Iron Man. And then look at you funny for a second, but you can share information. You say, this is what I've heard. This is, this, these are the reports that are out there. Matt Tween says, "Waiting to stream versus inflated theater costs for an IP whose quality and track record has been subpar." <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I think the other part of that is, you know, it, like like this article details out, where 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 the Marvel stuff, you know, they're sitting there going, "Okay, we need to make sure that it's fully done." And, and the visual effects are clean and finished and fully realized, which is which is a good thing. And that's, that's because of you guys. That's because of people out there who know about this stuff, complaining about it, getting on social media, getting on Twitter and Facebook. And, and if you've got YouTube channels, talking about it on your YouTube channel and all of this, saying, hey, Marvel, you need to step up your game here. Because the normies are starting to notice, and when stuff spills out into the regular press, the mainstream media, you know, your, your MS, DNC, and your CNN, and your, your Fox News, and when stories land there, people start to pay attention. And they start to realize, hey, wait a minute, what's going on with this, with this thing over here? And they start to look. And that's where you come in, and you can sit there and go, "Here, let me explain it to you." What's been going on for the last ten years, <coughs> Christopher? Have you heard what Dis- about Disney censoring *The French Connection*, forcing, forcing the censored version on the Criterion Collection streaming channel, I'm not telling? You. Yes, <coughs> that has been uh, that has been the subject of quite a bit of online buzz of the last over the last uh, week, week and a half. So, for those of you who don't know. Uh, The French Connection, which is a movie starring Gene Hackman as Popeye Doyle, an actual real person. The French Connection was based on a case. It is about a smuggling operation that Popeye Doyle uh, stumbled onto uh, in New York. This was a movie that was done back in the 70s. William Friedkin was the director. And Popeye Doyle is not a nice person. He's the he's the hero of the story. He's the protagonist of the story, but he's not a nice guy. He is a racist. He is a bully. He's angry a lot. He has to get pulled back quite a bit by his partner sometimes, played by Roy Scheider. It's an excellent movie. And it is a a a very intriguing study in what makes, uh, what, it, it, it lets you ask the question, is Popeye Doyle a good guy? Is he one of the good guys? He is, but he's a terrible person. And so like, you know, Mindy and I have had a conversation a number of times where she's, she's basically accused me of being a good man. And I will accept this assumption that I'm a good man, but there are times I am not a nice man. I may be good. I may help people. I do things for other people. I'm very considerate of other people, but sometimes I am not nice. Popeye Doyle, he's the good guy. He's the cop. He's going after the bad guys. He's tenacious, he's a bulldog, but he's also bulldo- he's also a bully and a racist. And there's a particular line or two of dialogue that establishes this fairly well, fairly solidly. You're not supposed to like this guy. And those lines have been cut out of all of the digital and streaming editions and maybe maybe in the upcoming discs so if you've got the French connection on physical media, hang on to it because you might not be able to get the unaltered movie again. It's like it's like the rolled doll thing. <clears throat> it's just a mess. Disney continues to make poor choices. And there's another choice. There's another choice that was apparently made that might not actually be Disney's fault, but they're going to have to deal with the fallout. And we're going to get to that right after this. Stand by. Live from the bunker, the radio show that's almost as good as bacon. The concept of flying cars is just a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah. It is a disastrous idea. People can't drive on a level flat surface, yeah. let alone, you know, it's, it, trust me, this is one of those things where you want con to be thinking two-dimensionally. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse, Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. back live from the bunker yes sci-fi snob they are 1984ing everything but you know it's all gonna be okay I mean Disney stock is up $93 right now for sure Uh, Star Wars Arcade? No, I don't have Star Wars Arcade on my monitor. This is uh, this is just the just the screensaver, <laughs> just the background picture. Stay on target. Stay on target. Cam says, "Why worry? Erasing history never turns out badly, right? Yeah. Always, always a good idea to to rewrite." Rewrite history. (laughs) Up stock price just went from ninety-three fifteen to ninety-three oh six. Get on that. This is not official financial advice, ladies and gentlemen. So um yesterday might have been Monday. Windows. No, it was yesterday. So, um, the the gang over at Clownfish TV, Neon and Geeky Sparkles, they have a website called piratesandprincesses.net. And they posted an article there, and it's sourced from the National Post. I'm not sure where the National Post is, but here's the headline. And... uh, I think there's I I think people are going to make more of this than they probably should. I'll say that ahead of time. Here is the headline. Disney accidentally cast a porn star in The Little Mermaid. Wait, what? <coughs> so, okay. This is not this is not as huge as You might think it is. But it is. Given the context of where we are in our day, circumstances being what they are, this is going to turn into a thing. Disney accidentally cast an adult film star in the live-action version of The Little Mermaid, and now they're declining to comment on the situation. 24-year-old Stefano Tomadini who makes adult movies under the alias Dante Ferrari, was cast as a mermaid in the film. And yes, a quick search of the name on Google yields some NSFW results. Not uh, not safe for work, certainly, because Dante Ferrari's adult material <laughs> apparently involves other uh, Merman? men... In adult material, so uh, we're, uh, you know, compromising situations or whatnot. Um, apparently, uh, this is this is. Let me go back to the original article from the National Post. Um, they accidentally hired an adult film star. Okay. Casting bosses working on the live-action remake wanted to use, quote, really sexy male models to portray the mermen in the film, and among those hired for the job was 24-year-old Stefano Tomadini, who has also made adult movies in the alias Dante Ferrari. His explicit films, for which he was paid up to £1,000 a time, are still available to watch online, though viewers have to pay. Uh, we got a new name in the chat. Kronos is Good to see. I still need to put together something for when I see a new name in the chat. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here. A source told The Sun newspaper, casting bosses decided to hire a number of really sexy male models to play Merman in the movie. They had no idea about Stefano's racy videos, and given The Little Mermaid is the big summer blockbuster for kids, it's a bit embarrassing for Disney. While filming the movie in Sardinia, Stefano shared a number of behind-the-scenes photos on Instagram. Where is Sardinia? I'll look it up. Okay, Mrs. Boss is going to look that up. Tagging Disney in the post, he wrote the caption, Lifetime memories with lifetime friends. Spokesperson for Disney declined to comment. The Rob Marshall-helmed remake, which stars Halle Bailey in the title role, was previously dubbed a classic by bigwigs at the movie studio and seen as an obvious choice for reimagining. So, okay. So on the surface, oh, uh, Sardinia is a large Italian island in the Mediterranean. Okay, Italy. Good. All right, thank you. So on the surface, you can make a big deal out of this, and people likely will. But. There are a couple of things that you should know. I'm going to I'm going to share with you some inside baseball stuff. <laughs> because I have been in the film industry, I have been part of that world. And there are there are things the, the casting process is a lot of there are a lot of different levels to the casting process. You have your casting directors, the people who go out and they pick the people who are going to be in your in your cast. Now, what this sounds like is he's a background actor. He's a background player. Extra is what they used to call them, but now they got to get this highfalutin title call him a background player, a background performer. So the extras are the people that are hired to populate. A place, a, a location. And, you know, anytime you see a movie where there's a crowd, you know, a bunch of people in a restaurant, train station, walking on the sidewalk in New York, anything where there's a crowd of people, all of those people are paid to be there. You go here, you walk that way, you throw this frisbee to that person over there, you take this dog and you go that direction, you go over here and you wave to somebody, y'all sit on this bench and play chess, all of that stuff. Those are all background players and they're all paid to just be in the shot and occupy space. They don't have lines. The act the, the assistant director or the first assistant, whoever's in charge of the of the background players, usually it's the second assistant director, may give them something to do. Here's a newspaper, read the newspaper, flip the you cha- flip the pages every now and again, whatever, right? <clears throat> but the background players are not selected by the director. The director doesn't even know any of these people, at all. And you don't want to be one of these people and have the director's attention, because that usually means you have messed something up. <laughs> what is that person doing over there? They're gone, done. Get rid of them. I don't care. They messed up the shot. <clears throat> you don't. You don't want to call. You don't want to bring bring the director's attention on you when you're a background player. And it sounds like that's what this was. Let's go hire a bunch of good-looking guys to be mermen. And I imagine they probably wanted to hire a bunch of good-looking women to be mermaids in the background. Because that's what you do. And yes, Mrs. Boss, they they hired them for their looks. (coughs) Now... A lot of performers in Hollywood, in the film industry, in the film and television industry, in the modeling world, they will use stage names. Some of them will use more than one stage name. You'll even get this, even in radio. Uh, In radio, you have uh, on-air personalities, and you have your air name... For a while, I was Kevin Scott. <clears throat> and there was a, there was a particular time I was I I had proposed a show, and if the show had gone, then I would have been J. T. Patrick. I mean there, the, you, names are specifically structured in form and content and shape for for the a number of syllables. And particular sounds, because they flow better, they sound better, they're a better hook on the radio. Actors' names are the same way. Michael Keaton, for example. Michael Keaton's name is not Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's name is actually Michael Douglas. But there's already a Michael Douglas. So Michael Keaton had to switch his name. Michael J. Fox is not really Michael J. Fox. The J is just dropped in there because there was already another Michael Fox in the registry. Marilyn Monroe. Everybody knows that Marilyn Monroe was not Marilyn Monroe's real name. She was Norma Jean. I just saw the yearbook for, um, what's her name, who played Beverly Crusher? And Mm -hmm. that's not her. I mean, her first name is like, yeah. Yeah. Gates McFadden, is her first name is actually Cheryl. And when she was a choreographer, she was Cheryl McFadden. She switched it to Gates when she was acting uh, for whatever reason. So you have... Stage names and you have multiple stage names depending on how, how long your career is, what kind of career you have, what different things. I mean, sometimes sometimes you're acting in regular Hollywood stuff is going to be different from like, say, if you do stuff in uh, voice work. And there are some adult actors who have done mainstream projects. Uh, I remember when uh, when we were watching. I was I remember watching um, <sighs> Space Above and Beyond. Space Above and Beyond was this uh, very short-lived, underrated, nobody appreciated at the time uh, television series about space marines. And there was one particular episode where they had a bunch of android robots. Kind of, it was a kind of the Blade Runner episode. And one of those robots was played by a woman named Kimberly Patton. Kimberly Patton is her mainstream acting name for doing regular Hollywood stuff, but she also had an adult film career as Ashlyn Gear. Very, very, very famous adult performer Ashlyn Gear also performed in mainstream stuff. Jenna McCarthy made the transition from Playboy model to actor. This is not unusual. So to see that this Stefano guy also has an adult career, different name, I can see. Now, should the casting department have done their due diligence? Sure. But when you have these two separate kinds of performance careers it is <clears throat> generally an effort is made to make sure those two are separate because there's still the stigma oh you're a you're an you're an adult actor you're an adult performer so there's a stigma there that, you know, adult performers don't get treated like they've got any credibility as actors if they want to get into mainstream acting. Now some of them have made the transition and they do just fine. Some of them don't. And they go back to the they go back to the adult industry. But every now and again there will be thing there will be some people that, that make that cut. And I can see just from my knowledge and experience in the film industry, I can see where a casting director would miss that. Because the name's completely different and most likely he made he made an effort to keep them separated so that people would not realize that this that that Stefano Tomadini was also Dante Ferrari. Now, in this day and age where you can do a reverse image search on things, it's a little bit harder to do because all I got to do is get a picture of somebody and do a reverse image search and and all sorts of different things pop up. But you got to know how to do it. But but it's not something that it's not something that casting directors are probably thinking first. Hey, this is a good looking guy. I wonder if he does porn. I mean that that's that's just not the first question you ask. It's here are a bunch of people. Okay, you know somebody will come in a casting director or somebody a casting associate or an assistant producer or somebody you will know, go I like that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. They check their availability. They don't look into the backgrounds of these people. These are actors. Here are headshots. They've been supplied by a talent agent. And the talent agent is going to say here's my guy. Here's my gal. You guys are looking for six-foot blondes? Here, I got three. Take your pick. Y'all are looking for people that can be sexy mermen? Here, here's a half a dozen guys. How, How many do you need? The talent agent is on the hook to get work for their clients. If you're a talent agent, then your job is to get your client jobs. I have, I have, I represent this actor. He wants to act. You are looking for actors. Let me introduce you to my actor, and he can act in your picture. That's the talent agent. The talent agent doesn't get paid unless his client gets work acting. Performing somehow. That's what the talent agent does. So when Disney comes in to Italy... Which also has a completely different culture when it comes to the nudity stuff. I mean, Europe is a little bit less purient, prudish than the United States when it comes to that kind of thing. I mean, we've got the what, you know, topless beaches and the page, was it page three girl or the page six girl or whatever the UK you know, this kind of thing is a little bit more common, a little bit more acceptable in Europe than it is here. So it it it's entirely possible that somebody down in the food chain knows that this this guy had this in his background, but it's no big deal to them. They didn't think anything of it. Maybe I'm speculating on that, but. I I can absolutely buy this notion that nobody knew that he had this career because they didn't think to check. Because you normally wouldn't. And I know a lot of people are going to make hay with this and they're going to sit there and go not-so-secret gay agenda and, and Disney's bunch of groomers and all this other stuff. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. This is from all things that I'm seeing and from what I know of the industry this actually does feel like it's a legitimate oversight somebody screwed up by not doing their due diligence but this is an easy mistake to make because if I was going to do if I was going to do casting surface level especially for extras now if it's a featured performer if it's one of your stars, then you better bet you're going to check these people out all the way, top to bottom, all their social media, all their everything, out, all of it. But for an extra, for a background player, somebody who just shows up and looks pretty for the camera for like five minutes and is gone, they're not important enough to do that. So I can absolutely understand this kind of thing slipping through and, and being a thing. Is it going to create problems for Disney? Maybe. In the long run, is it going to be any big deal? Probably not. (coughs) Because people will automatically, I mean, they did it in the chat here. Accidentally. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. Accidental. I think that probably actually did happen. It probably was a complete oversight on the part of whoever was doing local... Because the local casting, this is another aspect of this, because we run into it here in Kansas City. You have your casting directors out in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, in in that industry. They're at the office, and they're talking to the producers, and they're talking to the directors and whatnot. And then you have the local casting. So let's say uh, you're going to do... Uh, you're going to shoot a movie in Kansas City, <clears throat> so Hollywood Universal Pictures is going to pull a movie into into Kansas City. Is going to shoot. Thanks for being here, Keeley. Good to see you. I will I will see you later at the other next p- appointed time. So let's say Universal Pictures are going to come in and they're going to shoot a movie in Kansas City. Well, their casting offices in the studio attached to that movie. Are going to contact Wright Laird Casting here in Kansas City, and they're going to talk to Sharon Wright, and they're going to say, "Sharon, we need to get fifty people in a restaurant on such and such day for this many hours, and we need them to look like this. They need to be in their fifties. They need to, you know, we're gonna we're gonna shoot a scene in a we're gonna shoot a scene in a in a in a a retirement home, so we need people sixty plus." So Sharon will turn around and she'll blast the word out on social media and emails and newsletters and whatnot and says, hey, we got a casting call. What in the industry we call a cattle call. It is a casting call. We're going to need people 60 plus on this day to be background players and a retirement home scene. And she'll get a bunch of pictures. And some of those pictures will have resumes attached. And it's all based on looks. Sometimes experience counts depending on what it is they got to do in the scene as a background player, as an extra. But a lot of times it's just this person is available, this person looks like they'll fit into with the scene that we're doing, let's get them. But you have local casting people that are coordinating with the casting people in the studio. And, and in Italy, if they're going to be shooting in Italy... They contacted, likely, they contacted a a local casting office who knows the talent in the area and say, hey, we need half a dozen guys to be mermen. Find us some people. And so they'd say, okay, here's a bunch of pictures. (coughs) I absolutely can understand how this is an oversight, how this kind of thing happens. It it, it stops right. You know, who really cares? If he was doing something untoward in the movie, that'd be one thing. And, you know, people are going to make the argument, well, The Little Mermaid is a kid's movie and you shouldn't have an adult performer in there. Well, he's not being an adult performer in the movie. (coughs) It will ultimately not be much of a big deal, but there will be people who want to make it a big deal because they want to just pile on to Disney. And that's fine. You want to do that. It's not necessary. I mean, Disney is making enough legitimate mistakes without this adding on to it. And... Who knows? I mean, the Jonathan Majors thing is still sitting out there. Now the Tenoch Huerta thing is still out there. This is a minor bug on the windshield compared to a lot of other things, I'll say. So anyway, it's there are going to be there are going to be channels and websites and places where people are going to make a big deal out of this, and it's. Probably not as big a deal as as people would want it to be. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, one last thing. You'll notice you've you've may have noticed I'm drinking my coffee from a Spider-Man mug. We got news yesterday. Uh, John Romita Sr., comic book artist legend in the comics industry, uh, took over the Amazing Spider-Man from Steve Ditko and. John Romita's style became Marvel's house style, which means everybody draw it like JR. Everybody draw it like Jazzy John Romita. And he passed away Monday night. Uh, His son, John Romita Jr., who was also a comic book artist, followed in his father's footsteps. He posted on Tuesday night that uh, Jr. Sr. had passed away Monday night. He passed peacefully in his sleep. He was 93 years old. Uh, our condolences to his family because John, John Romita was one of the giants. John Romita co-created Wolverine. He co-created The Punisher. He co-created Mary Jane Watson. Big influence in in the comics industry. And I'm sure he will be missed by a lot of people. Big. He he, he leaves a big imprint on comics. Okay, that's it today. Um, a programming note, just so everybody is still up to speed. We were supposed to do the H2O podcast last night with our review of The Flash, because it's a Tuesday night, it's our show. However, we had to move it. Because Mr. Harvey went and saw The Blackening, and he's going to do a review of that. And we were originally going to do H2O on Saturday night, but now we're going to do it Saturday afternoon because now I've got to work. So, Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, we will review The Flash in a special edition of the H2O podcast. So, So make sure... Uh, that you are around for that. Catch us on all the different social media platforms, the Discord server, the subscribestar, all the different video places where you can see this show and listen to this show, podcast and all this other stuff. Email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com if you want to suggest topics or guests. It would be nice to have some feedback and see what you guys are interested in. Uh, so let us know there. and we will be back to do this all again tomorrow. Same bat time, same Bat channel. Share the show. Share the channel. Tell other people about it. Hashtag Sci-fi for me TV. Remember the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. God has a plan for you, and there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-fi for me.com copyright 2023 by flaming dog media llc all rights reserved no portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media you're listening to sci-fi for me radio